talk too much already. <laughs> I think that's the real problem is we have to actually converse less for this. To yeah, work. we have to be worse friend for this podcast yeah. to work. No, no, no. I'm too. I keep up. telling you to shut up because I'm like, save it for the save podcast. it for the podcast. If you like, don't want to hear somebody go off about something, you're like, save it for the podcast. Save it for the, yeah. Save let's for do podcast. a podcast together and then never and record then never it. I've been there with many friends. Yeah, that's how most we friendships start. Yeah. We did Let's make it to at least... To the first episode. The testing episode. The testing episode. Of City Council. <laughs> that was great. That, that was, was really, really good. good. She's We're a natural. really good at, at transitions. Natural. I'm Paula Viganalan. And I'm Ellery Smith. And this is the first episode of our podcast together. City Council. City Council. I'm so excited. What do you need counseling on? Oh my God, everything. But you know that. <laughs> Yeah, but you had a breakthrough in therapy. I had a breakthrough in therapy. I found out that I'm not having fun anymore, just like existing. <laughs> Which is like, people already know that about therapy. Um, but I mean, like, I used to have a lot of fun just like, just laughing and making jokes and like hanging out with people and doing it while I was at work and stuff. And then it just became less fun because I muted myself. Like, I went into that therapy session not expecting any of that to come out. I expected trauma therapy, like EMDR. Like we were, we oh, keep sucks. almost starting that. It I know. Sucks, and then dude. I just keep having other revelations. I know. And, it's and like, I'm also like, I do EMDR and I like can't tell you to get, it like sidetracks me from my life. It's so, it's so, it's intense. so intense. Yeah. So, so I a, can't recommend that you do it. But, does, but is it helping you? I think with EMDR, it's like years. Like, so when I can say, okay, I think it helped me, it'll be a few years from now. Does that make sense? It's like a long process. I think you. I think you can say that about anything in a few years. That's <laughs> you true. have to That's be true. like. I think out, it's out humans. It first, you have to yeah. be like. Oh yeah, that was just a learning experience. Sure, sure. I'm like. I don't think that it will fe- feel good for another few years. But I do hear that the sooner you start after a trauma, the easier it is and the less time it takes. So yeah, because you're not like repressing. We're both kind of. You don't fucked. have to like dig further in. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally <laughs> fucked. If my parents had put me in as they were traumatizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But then they would have to recognize that they were traumatizing you. Yeah, which yeah. would make them more evil, but also more helpful. Yeah, sometimes with parents, it's like the worst thing you can do is like bring up what happened to you and have them be like, that didn't happen. I don't remember that. That always happens. That always parents. happens. It's true. But you had a breakthrough. I had a breakthrough. That's good. And you were breaking down. And I was breaking. I actually had the, op- I wrote this in my notes. I was like, Pallavi had a breakthrough. I had a breakdown. No, you didn't. Yeah, because my therapist was like, oh, because I was like crying about how I haven't written anything in a long time and I feel really stuck. And like a lot of it has to do with like, you know, where I am in therapy and like I'm going through such heavy things. And so it's hard to be creative. And she's like, wow, seems like you're really ambivalent about comedy. <gasps> I know. What a I know. bitch. Super bitch That's move. like the bitchiest Such thing a, to say to a And comedian. so I like sort of freak, Which we are, by the which way. Which we are. We're both stand-ups <laughs> and writers based in Los Angeles, California. Yeah, she said that. And so I started like freaking out. And she was like, that's, I mean, I didn't mean to use that word choice. I just meant like, it seems like you're split on it. And I was like, but I also. Split but, on that and what? I want to write so badly and I can't. And mm. so, but I think from the outside looking in for, I, for a non-writer, it's like, why not just write? I was literally going to be like, that's 100% a writer thing to do. Yeah. So then you're fine. Sure. <laughs> I'm doing, following a long tradition of shitheads who don't write anything. <laughs> there was some like a really incredible writer who was just like, I'm a piece of shit in his diary. <laughs> like um, I can't write anything basically. Oh, I think it was Sylvia Plath. No, oh, I wouldn't. Did have, you see that one? I didn't see that one, but oh. I'm not surprised. Yeah, that one makes sense. But I think this one was like a non-suicide one. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who lived. To tell the tale. Somebody who lived, who didn't die by their own hand. That's really funny. Something I think about a lot is like the hardest I ever laughed was when I was with 
like friends in high school yeah and it's college like, for me yeah exactly so when it's like your source of income just exactly it's tied to your livelihood and then when you're exposed to so much comedy you're like dead inside a little bit I think there are comedians who are like really good laughers and I'm always jealous that's I'm like so bitter I can't laugh at comedy and I'm jealous of people who do <laughs> Because <laughs> I recognize <laughs> that I want the joy of the yeah. laughter. Yeah. I feel like I'm a, I'm a laugher. And it, like, you are really good at it laughing. It keeps me like a lot, like genuinely. Like there'll be times I'll be talking to you and you make me laugh so hard I cry. <laughs> and I'm like, that's why I keep coming back. That's, that's, what I, that's how I feel about comedy. And I felt like it, I was getting like sucked out of that. Like yeah. I was having, because I think like during the pandemic, we like locked down and we weren't laughing every day. I recognized when I started comedy that like my favorite thing about it was that I was going to belly laugh all the time every day yeah whereas like when you're just like walking around like working in biotech you're just like i got to not submit. a lot of haha's there not a, not as many there are more than i think you would think <laughs> but not as many as like as laughing in comedy because in comedy you like laugh at comedy mm-hmm. basic you laugh at people laughing at comedy <laughs> <laughs> you laugh at bad comedy yeah true you laugh at riffs you riff and, and yeah whatever. there's so many opportunities that was something that I realize like life is about it's just hedonism. <laughs> it's just like oh. sex and laughter. Yeah, it's that's everybody's true. like moments of joy and connection. It's sex and laughter. It's that's what you're laughter. looking for. Does that's joy and connection? Yeah, yeah. So why do true. we have to complicate it? Well, I mean, because <laughs> we tied it to money. <laughs> yeah, but I'm also like I don't know. It's such like a thin line to walk because on one hand, it's like every part of your life becomes content or like consumable, and like that sort of strips you of joy. And then on the other hand, it's like you're immersing yourself in joy all the time and you get to make that your job. Yeah. So it's tough. But then I'm also like, the, going back to what you said about the pandemic specifically, I feel like the move to like online content and TikTok and Hello Podcasts, it like <laughs> took us away from the group part of comedy. Yeah, it definitely isolated us a lot more and made us more narcissistic. I just feel like anytime you're looking for like an audience I don't know. I guess that's what comedy has always been is like trying to find your audience mm-hmm. or trying to get people to who are gatekeepers to like approve you. So I feel like but now it's like even more because every day we're posting and every All the time. day we're it's never enough. Yeah. And it's like every part it's like we were talking about earlier, my Patreon, where I used to let people read. Everybody's my, talking everybody's about everybody's talking about Patreon. Everybody's talking about my Patreon. I have some really awful things on there. <laughs> Just kidding. If you're not a part of Ellery's close for me. friend story. It's amazing. <laughs> She's making fun of me because I post the most mundane shit and she'll... T- no, it's not. <laughs> it's not mundane. You are... Ellery's a hot girl with a cursed mind. <laughs> it did something I think about a lot is one time you told me that I'm allowed to have weird Instagram stories because I'm a hot girl. Yeah. <laughs> your, your Instagram stories, her Instagram stories are like sometimes what I feel like... 50 year old it's it's but it's like if you remove the incel from it it is funny and weird you know what I mean you know I'm just sort of a mover and a shaker <laughs> like that the other day I was telling somebody I was like I wish I could wear sunglasses on stage like Mitch Hedberg did did I feel and, like you could well they were like okay but he was strung out on heroin like are you gonna do that and it's like maybe. Why do they assume that in order to wear sunglasses you have, you have to be, to be on strung heroin. out on heroin because that's why he did it what an insane I know I know. Jump. I was going to talk about my neighbor who set his apartment on fire. Okay, that is also pretty insane. Cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> I saw the police pick him up. What? Okay, what happened? We'll get it. <laughs> he was smoking a cigarette outside on his balcony. He goes inside for like five minutes and then leaves. And then 20 minutes later, the place like explodes okay, in flames. Okay, literally the other night, I was 
smoking something. Weed. <laughs> People are going to assume it's to heroin now. Oh, yeah. I was smoking heroin. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you really cool. She's going to get so good at jazz. The other day, I was smoking something outside, literally outside, because I'm not allowed to smoke in the complex. And I put it out like near plant and I checked eight times because it was like on metal, yeah. but it was like near plants. And I was like, I was like, I can't burn down <laughs> my face. My mugshot. Oh my God. Be. Imagine starting a forest fire. I have a friend who did that. She is not mentally well and it was really sad, but she's like really, really smart. But she started a forest fire in Northern California. Yo. I mean, I lit one of my house plants on fire the other day by accident. That's not at all the same thing. It's close. <laughs> I ashed out my joint. But into it is, house it, plant. it does, it is a fine line of separation. It's so, it's crazy how. Like, the couple who did the gender reveal and burnt down half of, like, Orange County or something like yeah. that. See, the thing is, I want them to be punished, but more for the gender reveal yeah, than for anything. the fire. Because I like, feel like accidents jail for being happen. Yeah. I feel like accidents happen, and, like, sometimes, you know, shit happens, and you don't mean to do it. Yeah. And they didn't mean to set a whole forest on fire. But they didn't mean to be heteronormative, and we're and coming that after we them. should punish That's- them for. <laughs> <laughs> Your poor friend. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> well, I think we found our belly laughs again. I, I don't even care if um, this does well as long as it brings back the joy. You know what? That's such a healthy way to be. Yeah. I can't say I'm the same. This needs to do well for yeah, me. Yeah, we're going to have to have a lot of clips to go viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to get launched out of poverty. I literally was watching the first episode of Selling Sunset, and Chriselle, uh basically did her launched out of poverty story. And then I was like, the whole show is so artificial that I'm like, is this? Is that real? Yeah. How do you feel about Selling Sunset? It's disgusting. Yeah, I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it, even though I, I just, love reality TV. There's a lot of reality TV that I love, but everyone who does it has to be, like, really rich. People don't want to watch broke people. And then it's exploitative. <laughs> it's, it's like 90 Day Fiance. Yeah, so true. Which, so by true. the way, I was horrified. Like, so many of my friends were like, they oh, love it, 90 dude, Day Fiance is amazing. It. It's human trafficking it's human trafficking okay so we're making fun of these men who are sexually repressed um and they're using like what power they do have to like sort of order it in and have it shipped to them yeah okay for people who are like desperate for a desperate visa. to leave their country yeah, yeah. it's very complicated it's not that complicated it's very me. listen it's very complicated there's no right there's no wrong oh okay <laughs> yeah. a lot of gray area but we're laughing along but we're laughing we're crying along. along we're crying along the other thing that bothers me about that whole thing just people who go from being poor to rich and then are like well i game the system that is like the real problem with that and it's it's like (laughs) capitalism pilling where it's like well i was able to do it so so can you and it's like it is only by the grace of god like by the skin of your teeth that you were able to get yourself out of poverty and that can't happen for everyone. That's uh, the same with like immigration. I've noticed like immigrants do that too, where they oh, they like get in and then they're like, well, I did it the right way. So these the other right immigrants way. are the worst. Shut it's like up. the whole like model minority yeah thing. For Real Housewives, I'm like, oh. how many of those women do you do, do get turned into alcoholics and like lose their families? <laughs> if you think about reality TV, it's very rare that you see a sober person. Like sometimes it'll be their storyline or whatever, but like. For the most part, their storyline is they're sober. Is they're being sober. Oh my god! But it's it's only because by contrast, like the rest of the world that they exist in is all about drinking. It's all about alcohol. I wonder how much it is generally though, because a lot of people drink. That's true. I think because like party culture is huge. Party culture is huge, but also because reality shows need conflict and drama, and like 
getting drunk is a pretty easy one for one in that scenario. And yeah. so I'm like, it's also completely funded by like. I wonder how they avoid like, um, not that these are tied, but because uh, like the they a lot of those people like make bad decisions or like aren't great of people, and then they add all this other shit to it. I wonder how they avoid like assault things. They don't. Ah, they don't. That's why like you remember the Bachelor had a huge scandal where somebody said that they were sexually assaulted on like mm. Bachelor Island, something like that, and then it's I'm, like Jeffrey Epstein's island, <laughs> <laughs> but for the Bachelor. Um, and then at least on Real Housewives, the women are sort of constantly basically assaulting each other i just started theater class at um the la usd camp theater week so it's like la public school students and and theater troops get to come to this theater camp and we had like a whole not a whole but like whatever i taught a stand-up class and there was a little bullet point about like what to do if you don't feel safe around somebody oh my god and like how there's no hr in comedy so like you know you need to be careful and that's crazy they're like it's like the We Book Rapists. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, did you see Alice Hamilton's sign? Yes. So fucking funny. Funniest comic working okay. right now. Chris D'Elia, alleged rapist. Uh, <laughs> alleged pedofi- pedophile. Wait, what's the word for pedophile, for like a pedophile for teenagers? Ebophilia? What is so it? funny. I don't know. It doesn't matter. They're all pedophiles. I'm going to say alleged pedophile. <laughs> I'm going to not say alleged pedophile. Sue me. What? <laughs> Come after me. <laughs> he, like, they've been getting booked at the clubs, which, by he the way... He posted his own show. It was Chris D'Elia and Friends. Yeah, and it's like, wow. I looked at the Friends, and I was like... Hey, if I'm Chris D'Elia, and I'm trying to come back, I would pull out the most, the d- most diverse lineup you'd ever seen in your life. Yeah, but that's because none of those people would do the show with him. Probably not. But I'm like, if you have any media training as Chris D'Elia, I'm like, you come out... Although, it's, it's so, so funny how... He brings his baby on stage. <laughs> Wait, Alice is... Okay, so Alice Hamilton, wonderful comedian, just put out a half-hour-long special about this. I definitely recommend you checking it out. It's on her YouTube. Basically just reaming Chris D'Elia <laughs> and people around him who are in comedy and have been joke? accused of... Oh, yeah. About using the baby as a shield? Yeah. As a human shield? Yeah. She talked about him using the baby as a human shield because he hid that baby in his special that he did. Right before. And right before. Suddenly. And then as soon as he gets accused of DMing, like, hundreds of 15-year-olds, 15-year-olds he's like, I'm a father. Well, I'm like, listen, what do you have a baby for? You know, it's, it's not that. Yeah. I mean, if you can't monetize them. <laughs> Why bother? Why even bother? But I'm also like, just having a kid doesn't make you a good person. Like, how many of you have bad fathers? Having a kid doesn't make you a good person. Guess what? Lots of rapists are fathers, too. Sometimes that's how they became fathers. Sometimes that's how they became fathers. Isn't that fucked up? I mean, it is fucked up. That was our Chris D'Elia section. Ipsos poll said that most parents are actually really happy with how their school is being run, their kid's school is being run, which is a really interesting comment about... Um, sort of like a built culture war around school board meetings that is really just at the hands of conservatives. And something I thought was funny about that was like, kids don't tell their parents what's happening at their school. I'm like, your kids aren't coming home and being like, guys, guess what? I was, I felt bad for being white today. Like, your kid is in his room smoking pot. Yeah, and probably like bullying other kids. Probably bullying other kids. Probably bullying other kids. If your kid is like, I feel bad about being white today, they're probably (laughs) not being good to the non-white people. I was just about to say, they made him feel bad for being white because he said a racially charged comment. Yeah, I feel bad for being white because I can't say the N-word. That's the undertone that your (laughs) six-year-old is. I'm kidding. 
And I'm also guess what? You should feel bad for being white. Next question. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's basically all for views, which is very much like a conservative. It's like how they're like profiting, right? Like yeah, that's why like, Ted Cruz like searches his name after he yeah. says something ridiculous in a hearing. It's so true in comedy as well, as far as like... Diving into conflict and fear is 100% profitable for like people with pod, like alt-right people with podcasts yeah, and Patreon. exactly. It's so easy to... To rile up the base. Yeah. And like make them feel fear and then sell them like a, you know, home safety subscription after. Yeah. Or at least like sell them a like, I'm telling it how it is. That's like the comedy version. That's so... And then the political version is also like that (laughs) but it's also like we're gonna target trans kids when i think about conservatism and like the republican party it's not about freedom it's always about control and then they also have like no actual ideas for how to improve life does that make sense like yeah you're just always on your heels defending yourself from their attacks because they have no solid policy beliefs exactly exactly like Like, the economy or they're not thinking about infrastructure they're not thinking especially in the last position they have in the last 20 years it's really been a devolution but like every position they take is about no it's about something that's not allowed something that we don't want to do which is very anti-improv which is so and that's my real problem with it is like it's not good improv skills and i'm like if del close was alive he would say something racist they're (laughs) (laughs) they're they're trying to like like take the stage they're not passing the scene to anyone no but I really do think that that's true and like I think so you're saying put Ted Cruz in an improv class I'm just saying only it could only help Joe Manchin it could only help UCB 2023 (laughs) be honest give him a diversity scholarship okay how 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 much would you pay to actually watch Joe Manchin do ASCAP? This is why it's so monetizable. I know. I'm <laughs> sorry. I, I, I fell into it. I fell into it, but it's so hard not to. I would <laughs> pay $50, I think. $50 is your cap on seeing Joe Manchin be part of ASCAP? Yeah. But that's a lot of money for me. I don't need to go because every podcast would have a, a section about it the next You day. know, it's so true. <laughs> but you just, you can't miss that live feeling. And that's why we're all here. Live comedy. <laughs> Okay, so I don't know much about the Netflix layoffs. I just know, I saw some people tweeting about it saying that they got laid off and that it sucks and it was sudden. Yeah, well, it seems like, so I, Netflix was putting together some sort of like culture journalistic wing or like, you know, critic space. um, And they headhunted a bunch of journalists from around the country and some of them even moved out to California and... I was reading some thread about a woman who had given up her union job mm. to come out here and work for them, and then they laid them all off less than a year after signing the contracts. Why? Because they're losing money. They're, like, you know, losing subscribers. But he, I was talking to my friend about it, and he was like, you know, I don't understand why everybody's so mad. What do you want them to do? And I feel like it's the least you can do to commit a year's worth of funding to a project that you asked people to leave their livelihoods for. Yeah, it's also like if you weren't planning far enough ahead for your company, then like to cause people to like to like uproot people and expand your company and you couldn't t- like you should have a five year plan. You should have a 10 year yeah, plan. Yeah, yeah. Like the, you should be forecasting the ever. And it is also sort of tied to like how, you know, Facebook is losing money because of meta. And it's like you don't the ever expanding demand of capitalism that asks you to always be something more and like yeah. to do more and to bring in more. It actually like ruins it actually causes you to lose money because you're not doing the thing that you were doing you're so not well. like being consistent yeah. at the thing 
that everybody expects of you. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, if you're Netflix, how do you not have a five-year, like, development plan? Like, you, you should put at least two years worth of, like, funding aside for... Because nothing is going to get off the ground in a year. I feel like we're lecturing a child. <laughs> Netflix is listening to us. Well, I mean, we're not in the festival. What's your five-year plan? <laughs> what are your intentions? Are you going to book me on Netflix as a joke or not? <laughs> oh, shit. I take out a gun. <laughs> this is totally off topic, but I'm the person that people give their podcast to to be like, is there anything cancelable in here? I once did a, a woke scrunt script punch-up. We punch-up because we don't punch down. And that's the basis of it. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Listen to this. So... Illinois, Illinois. Wait, first of all, I want to say there was a Twitter, a tweet that was like, how do I become the person who the, who reacts to the research that the other person brings on a podcast? Have you made, made it. it. I have made it. You made it. I am successful in this endeavor. Ellery I swear the thing is, I'm so fucking stupid. I'm going to bring in the worst headlines in the world. And we'll talk about them in depth. <laughs> and that's what makes it so funny. It's the news you wouldn't want to get anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so Illinois banned ticketing uh school children for offenses at school in many municipalities schools can fine students for misbehaving they can take their lunch money they can shake kids down they can shake kids down okay but so illinois bandit which means that a lot of those schools are having police do it for them no so instead of private security hired by the school they'll have police officers patrolling and kids will get ticketed and fined, and they're hundreds of dollars, anywhere from like one fifty to three hundred. Um, and they have to go to court. And so the they, children, the children, they go to court cases and they miss. And this is like as young as like fifth grade. That's insane. So they miss more school, and they're not entitled to a lawyer. Why? Because it's like it's like a fine. I'll send you. That's that. fucking insane. It was crazy to read about for sure. What happened to good old getting detention because you're a different different ethnicity? What I happened mean, to that? Once we got rid of corporal punishment, everything went out the window. Yeah. I'm like, beat your kids. <laughs> my grandma does Would think. Would you rather a $150 fine, $300 fine to a fifth grader? Or... Don't ask this question. Don't ask that question. <laughs> Don't make me answer that, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> sometimes... I don't have the money. <laughs> I do. A punch in the face is quicker. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But also, adults should not be hitting kids. Um, yeah. Who's doling it? <laughs> That's crazy. I feel like we should be able, the kids should be able to make citizens arrest on the teachers then. I think that's so true. And like, what really? So I just learned that Utah has the most like troubled teen school. Oh. Hello. Hello. Oh, local connection. Hello, local connection. Utah. Which which school? West High. No, they have they have. <laughs> That's the, where I went. The most West High. Yeah. That sounds so fake. It was rivals with East High from High School Musical, where they actually filmed. A lot of my friends were in that movie and subsequent movies. Oh my god, wait, that so cool. We they, should we should do a live. We should watch those and narrate sometime. Yeah. Yeah. I actually watched them. I made somebody. I made a man watch them last year with me. That is so recently. <laughs> I know. That is so recently. It was a pandemic, and I didn't want to watch Stop using that the Tiger excuse. King movie. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Stop using that. Stop using that excuse. It's also like looking at pictures of my friends from high school. Yeah, that's Anyways. cool, and you recognize it off. Anyway, um, Utah has the most troubled teen schools of any state. That makes a lot of sense. My high school, West High, 
Um, when I when my brother was there, there were like bomb threats. When I was there, there was a murder suicide, and Whoa. then several of the teachers were found out to be like child rapists. Yeah, later. we had a lot of those too. Um, but I mean, like um, this like the schools that that kidnap kids in the middle of the night and then take them into the wilderness. Oh my god! Yeah, like those kinds of schools, like the like, send like. Okay, that makes a lot of sense too, I'm also especially on like the no... edges too. There's like the really? old school poly- uh, polygamy oh, like LDS. people. Yeah, I mean, they're like the whole state is like. A is it because ton there's of no like oversight? I th- there's also like they have weird charter schools too that always like weirded me out, and it's like they get to teach their kids anything. So I went to a private school, and because when schools are private, they don't need any oversight from the government. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Uh, which is why homeschooling can be so dangerous. So at this private school, which you might you would think like a private school, good school, it was like it was horrible. There were so many like I we didn't learn any geography. I never took a single yeah. geography lesson or class, and it was like you couldn't have two carbs on your plate at lunch. What the did I have fuck? I ever told you that? Yeah, you can't. You weren't allowed to have two carbs on your plate at lunch. It was a bunch of little things, and you also if you had if you got pregnant at the school. You either had to leave or they made you get an abortion. That's insane. They asked you to get an abortion. That's crazy. Yeah. No oversight. They can I pretty much do everything. I tutored in San Francisco, and the public schools, a lot of the people there, like, really don't like the public schools. Like, there's one really, really good public school that, like, people, like, struggle to get into and like people like fake addresses and stuff because it's so good but it's like it's a huge problem because I was tutoring there for like a while and the so then you try to get in the private schools and there are tests to get in the private schools which are also like if you have the best tutors you'll do better on the tests and then even once you get in to those private schools like some of them are like themed so like one student um I had couldn't get into the private school that he wanted to get into so then he had to go to like an art private school where even in the chemistry classes they made you do art oh that like seems art so projects bad. and he wasn't he wasn't he didn't interested want to be an in art didn't want to be an artist was yeah. not uh you know like he wanted to be like in a science, like a real science class yeah he wanted to be like he was interested in math and science but he like didn't like do something on the test or like in some of his grades or whatever and so oh, then he was so fucked and I'm like you're up. a child that's so fucked they're going up. into like eighth ninth grade and that's like, like the rest of your life like without those foundational years yeah oh, that's so fucked up that's and why so many parents are always like oh I have to pick based on the schools is because like the schools can really fuck kids over damn and it can also like indoctrinate them absolutely oh god absolutely it can I feel like so much of my adult life is about like unlearning what I learned specifically about gender at my private school we learned um, in Utah, we had someone come into our health class in like seventh grade and basically told like a Susian story of when two become one and it was just very shamey. My ninth grade biology teacher taught us creationism in addition to evolution in class, but he was like, but here's an alternative and like showed us this video of like a flagella and being like, but how could that not have been designed? And then, <laughs> and then he also was like, the only way to make sure you don't get STDs or pregnant is to keep your pants up. And I was like, that's really forward of a, a Mormon teacher to assume that girls wear pants, too. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get an STD using your mouth, so be careful. Yeah, so he didn't even have it right then. Didn't even have it right. Bad teacher. You, yeah. we, we similarly had abstinence only. It's very strange. Yeah. It's so interesting how sort of the white flight from public schools has led to, like, sort of this private school system. But now both of them suffer. It's tough because schools become sort of like catch-all service centers and be- yeah. because of like other failing social programs they now need to step in and like 
you know, during the pandemic, we had a huge problem with schools not being open because that's how a lot of kids eat, is they eat at school. They get, yeah. like, free breakfast, free lunch. Um, and, you know, and in L.A., do you know a lot of the L.A. USD public schools only have a nurse one day a week? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. And they have, they similar, similar to college counselors, they only come in, they share them with a bunch of the schools. Yeah, they're, like, traveling nurses yeah. for the schools. How is that... So I'm like, okay, if you get an emergency injured on like a Wednesday, do you just wait until Friday? Yeah. I mean, That's... or like they have to handle it at home, which a lot of places like they don't have the tools to handle. Those kids don't have the tools to handle. No, them. definitely. Definitely not. A lot of people don't have health insurance. And also, if you're like a queer youth and it's related to something mm. like that. That's a that's a really scary one is like all of the bills about like queer youth and you know queer self-discovery in schools sort of make it seem like well it's okay because they have they can always go home and I think what that like leaves out is that so many queer kids don't have a safe home or just kids in general or just kids in yeah absolutely just kids in general and that's that's actually the real sort of like I mean we don't need to get into too much of this but like one of America's like dirtiest secrets is how prevalent child abuse is in our country. Oh yeah, and I and I hesitate to say neglect because neglect is often a term used by CPS to remove like really impoverished kids from their home, and just because you have a poor home doesn't mean it's a bad home. But like child abuse specifically is so rampant in America. People who come from good homes or from homes that are like financially stable at least assume that everybody else does, which is like mm. the core of the problem, which is like a yeah. lack of empathy for other situations. So true. I think people have a hard time imagining what less money, like, actually looks like. Because you can, like, think about that situation, and then so many people are like, oh, I bet it's not that bad. Or, like, oh, you know, I've been But these are the decisions I would make if I was in that situation. Exactly. And it's like, like, you're not Mark Wahlberg, okay? You don't know what you would have done on (laughs) (laughs) 9-11. Okay, wait, you know that same interview? A part of it that always gets interlooked is when he's, like, overlooked because he said that crazy thing about 9-11, is when he was like, no, I don't spank my monkey. I don't think it's good for you. He doesn't spank his monkey. No child abuse from Mark Wahlberg. It, wait. <laughs> he means he doesn't whack it. He, he doesn't, doesn't whack off. it. <laughs> but, like, but, but like, I mean, that led to a hate crime. So like, what are we, <laughs> what are we doing here? That is the funniest justification for that hate crime that I've I've ever heard in my life. Where he was like, "Sorry, I'm so picked like, up. I, I had to blind a guy." Spank my monkey, and I also call it spanking my monkey. That was the real problem. Where I was like, I feel like that's he was raised in like a really religious repressed, home. Yeah, <laughs> so that's repressed. What it sounds like, and that's how people become violent. Yeah. So do your fucking now. And and you know, Mark Wahlberg could have been a fallen hero in another situation, <laughs> but he don't get that me. opportunity. God, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Cher say something like she would have done something instead of? She said something that is insane. So She's always funny. saying insane She's shit on Twitter, saying, but I know what good. I love. I love that about her. Also, shout out to Cindy Lauper, who I did not know existed on Twitter until today. I saw that because she tweeted housing is a human right. That was awesome. I was actually very surprised by that. I love it. I'm like, I do love it. Mm-hmm. I do. Cynical part of me. Which we're always going to release. If she can, if she can speak for a sec, I'm like, I love when celebrities speak up, but I really love when they donate. Yeah, I love when it actually leads to something. Yeah, because I'm like, I do think it helps to to move like the public sentiment needle, right? Any sort of like public leftism, I think it's good and it's healthy. But if you have a certain amount of money, just speaking about it, just give that money. That's like literally the most helpful thing you can do. When people invent new structures. 
for issues where there are already plenty of people who have been doing that work like for years before you it's just more harmful like the most helpful thing you can do is give liquid cash to the problem and that's why like the elon musk stuff he's such a fucking loser yeah he like really he's sucks. so cringe and it's like he's people, gonna be the first trillionaire i will assassinate him before that happens <laughs> You know what that sound is? Ding, ding, ding. A That's our first, our first death threat on the podcast. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, the first of many. The first of so many. And it might not even be our first. It's probably it not. It's probably not. We might not. have had one already. I just can't, I can't stand him. Yeah. I can't stand, I mean, same thing with Jeff Bezos. Same thing with, my, my dad has a thing with like Warren Buffett where he's like, he just dresses oh so humble. And it's like, shut he has up. so much fucking, okay, don't tell my dad to shut up. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> but I think it's like this thing of like, people are able to just brand themselves as like whatever they want to brand themselves as. And like, it doesn't, their, their bubble is um, unpenetrable, uh, impenetrable because they have so much money. It so doesn't matter what money. the fuck they do. It it's doesn't matter so what they say. They, they're surrounded by yes people constantly. They never see poverty. They've forgotten what it is. Um, and because like, of that, they really don't know how to help. In Dubai, it's like you can't be like unhoused in Dubai. Like you have oh, to, there's like, it's... Dubai is now is like new Dubai. Old Dubai is like in the desert, and that's where like the poor people are. And so when they come to the cities, if they're like they're still dressed really nice, but it's still like you can tell that it's not like tourist, like like not how people who go there to shop are dressed because it's fucking illegal to be broke in the city. And I'm like, that's what every rich person is doing is they're consistently through where they live, through where they shop, through where they eat, they're paying to not see poverty yeah. because they feel like other people's suffering is their discomfort. And that's like the most fucked up thing I mean, it's to do. the worst. It's like, it's like street sweeping. It's just moving the problem. Or it's like, you know, the soup kitchen moving from the middle of the day to after school. They don't want to see it. They don't want to see it. If you don't want to see it, fucking fix it. Exactly, but that's, like, not how... And they also, it's, like, so many of them are, like, well, I've worked so hard so that I didn't have to see that kind of thing. Yeah, they feel entitled to they it. They feel so entitled to it. It's, so it's like, really strange in a way. There was one time um, I was walking in San Francisco, and somebody asked for change, and I didn't have any. And then he asked the person behind me, and it was, like, a woman with uh, two men. And, and then she was, like, sorry, I don't have any. And then he, le he, like, keeps walking. And before, like, any of us are out of earshot... She's like, I just feel like it was really inappropriate for him to ask me for change. And I'm like, stop. You, stop. You're not getting hit on at a bar, okay? This man is like trying to survive. Fighting for his life. And then also, here's the thing is like, when some people are like, you know, because I like to retweet a bunch of GoFundMes or whatever, and people are like, well, you don't really know what they're using it for. And it's like, guess what? I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit what they're using it for. If somebody is in a place in their life where, one of the options they think is available to them is asking other people on the street for money. Their life is worse than mine, and that's the end of the discussion. Also, I know where my taxes are going, and I fucking hate pew, it. Pew, pew. Also, I know where that's government subsidies are going, and, and I, I hate fucking that. hate I it. I fucking hate that. Yeah. So it's like... I would actually prefer for somebody to get high off of my dollar than to bomb a village in the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? And you're a hero for that. Thank you. <laughs> Harm reduction. I'm always saying it. Yeah. It's funny how, like, I really do think that would be Elon's downfall, is that he wants to be liked so... Like, at least Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett know that they're impenetrable as long as they're mysterious. I don't even think they know that. I they think probably they, don't, but they're like... I think they just are, like, off spending money. Probably. They're probably not even thinking about it. But Elon is, like, so concerned 
And honestly, the best part about all of it is that, like, you can buy a lot of things. You can't buy being cool. Yeah. And in fact, the more that you try to purchase coolness, the less cool you are. Yeah. And the, the more the, desperate you the are. The more desperate it. you come across and the lamer you are. I will say, though, people... Don't tell me he's cool. No, he's not cool. <laughs> I thought you were about to say... What if I was like, Elon's cool. I thought you were end like, of the episode, end of the podcast. Yeah, end of the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, but that meme of my friends he stole was so good. No. Wait, really? <laughs> he steals memes all the time. I know, but he stole Morgan Murphy. I think he yeah. stole Morgan Murphy's. Wow. He stole a picture of Morgan Murphy's like dog before and after oh, a I've haircut, seen that. and said it was like, like, like pretended it was yes. his. Oh my god. Um, I will say though that I do think, and I think this is like, uh, it, like inherent classism, is that people who are able to aff- like afford gifts, presents, things like that, people like them more. True. And that's why, that's how you develop, like, yes, bubbles. But I do think that people who don't have as much give a higher percentage of what they have. True. Um, yeah. But it's just, like, not... And also more intangible. Get, like, I feel like... Service. Service. Yeah. Time. Like... Effort. Especially. if Like, if you have ever in your life never had a place to sleep on, I think <coughs> that you are more likely to offer your couch to somebody else. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, I think people can, like, buy coolness and that they can, like, by bribe, goodwill. Bribe people. Yeah. But, yeah. In terms of, like, genuine Genuine. Cool. But that's the thing is people don't really give a shit about that. But I do. I don't think you're cool. And that, that's what matters. <laughs> Russia cutting off gas to European countries who place sanctions on it. Holy shit. Yeah. I wrote cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I had to say about that. Wait, didn't Putin uh, call something cancel culture? Like, the war? <laughs> <laughs> No, I think he did call saying. I think he did call, and he was like, like blaming cancel culture for us like hating war. Yeah, and he was also like, like your gender expression. What did he say? He was like, you know, the Western whatever, and like obsession with gender. He like basically was like, you want to fight us because you're gay. Bro, you're fucking shirtless on horseback. Talk about gender expression, literally all the time. You're literally like, who are you trying to convince? He, him, nonstop. Nonstop, always, always on the he, him. Although pronouns on horse, man. (laughs) Pronouns on horse. If I can be honest, though, kind of he they vibes. I was thinking that. Kind of he they vibes. I almost said he they. But it kind of does. It comes across. I don't, I don't know wanna, what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't want to insult he they's. No, that's know. a real insult to he they's. That's yeah, true. That's not what we But actually, you know, real quality is that bad people are everything. That's true. You know? But we can't get there yet. No, no, no. We, we have to. We're, per- we're, we're right trying now. to get there. Wait, okay. So they're canceling they're canceling gas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gas is canceled. Gas is canceled. Um, Which actually I think is interesting. Something I've been thinking about a lot is I'm like, oh, now is a really good time for us to get off of natural gas. You could say that at any point. You could say that at any point. But now I'm like, but we I, can frame it as for people as being like... But for who? Like, who is there to convince? You know what I mean? I do think that there are some people who maybe just aren't thinking... Like, we're so immersed in these conversations, and they're not thinking about it. But I do think that some people could be convinced if you're like... We have this dependency on We have this dependency on foreign oil, on, you know, maybe Russia specifically, which is not entirely true, but what have you. And, you know, it's getting so expensive... And so what if we just move... And it's also better for the environment to just move a different direction. I think we need to do the thing where we just, like, we just phase it in without telling anybody. No, I totally (laughs) agree. That is true for so many things. Yeah. Where, like, once you just start doing it, people will like it. What's funny in this country is that, like, only some things are up to a vote by the people, and everything else sort of just happens. Or it's, like, a pseudo-vote. Yeah. 
Or it's like a shadow docket bill. Do you know what I mean? Like things that sort of like run under. What would you put on your shadow docket? Wait, you go first so I understand how to answer the question. Okay. Uh, uh, mandatory vaccines. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I thought you meant like not dating guys named <laughs> anymore. Not dating guys named <laughs> anymore. Believe me, not out. Um, <laughs> not, nat- not dating white guys named that Anything. anymore. Not dating white guys named <laughs> Uh, what else would we put on our that everybody would have to do? Uh, I'm moisturize, like, moisturizer, sunscreen for sure. Yeah, but I'm also like, okay, healthcare shadow docket. Like, let's just do 100%, it. Hundred percent. Like let's it, do o- it. It only help things that only give and they don't take anything away. Hundred percent. I feel like why not? Yeah, like housing, housing, absolutely. Food, not dating white guys, <laughs> not dating white guys. Moisturizing. Only giving to you, okay. not taking away. Do you have anything? Okay, this is a side note, but like I have white friends who I specifically. You have white friends. I try. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to reach across the aisle. <laughs> I I have white friends who I care about, very few, that I really love, and I try to help them learn to moisturize if they don't know how to moisturize, and then I find out how do they how do you they moisturize? don't tell. They don't tell their other white friends about moisturizing because they feel special because they're the white ones that got picked. That's really Isn't that crazy? Wait, in case I don't know how to moisturize. Just everything. Everything. After you shower. After you shower. Yeah, I do that. And you, when you're in the shower, you wash everything. Yes. And you exfoliate. Just learned to start washing my feet in the shower. Oh, wow. I'm so glad. (laughs) Okay, but here's the thing. And I do think, first of all, white culture in general, not very cleanly. Second of all, grew up with an absentee, sort of like neglectful parents. Okay, yeah, you do have Having that. to like figure out what I don't know. You're very well put together. Because I had to start parenting myself. Like my parents would leave us alone by like eight, seven or eight. That's wild. Yeah. So like I can, that's why I can cook basically. Yeah. So some good things. Ignore your kids. <laughs> We're going to have the beat your kids break and then the ignore, the ignore your, your kids. kids break. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's what I found out is that. I, I will tell them, I will tell certain white friends. And they're gatekeeping that from other And then people? they're gatekeeping it from their other white friends, which is very white to do. That's so That's white. That's the to whitest do. thing to do. When to I'm not like, share. hey, here are the gifts that my brown culture is giving you, and then they keep it and they hoard it. And they don't tell anyone so they can rise to power. Yeah, they're like, no, that's for me. If everybody else ages worse, I'll look better. If they could take it away from me, I feel like they might have. <laughs> They're like, no, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. No. You can't have it no. anymore. Do you think... something? I think they about, actually didn't share... They found other products they liked, didn't share with me until we started talking whoa. about it. I was like, wow, okay. All right. That is really indicative. Yeah. Of the culture. Of a culture. Do you think that white people age worse because there's no lotion culture? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think so too. That's a given. Yeah. Well... That, I mean, for... Not to me, I'm white. Not for white people, but we all know that about you, and we talk about it all the time. <laughs> Behind our backs, you guys. I mean, I feel like we're talking about it in front of your face at this point. That's you guys so are true. just like in denial. No, we are. We are. Specifically, as it pertains to the, like people like the royal family, like really wealthy families, I'm like, you people are so inbred that you're disintegrating. Yeah, I'm I feel like, like they should not. have stem cells for that. They don't get that. They don't care enough, I don't think. Well, I mostly mean, like, that's not fair. That should be safe. It's like how oh, Dick Cheney has, like, five hearts or whatever. Yeah, he's probably... <laughs> that's just because he ate them whole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the, the queen has, like, a pig valve in her heart. Yeah, but pig valves are, like, a thing that people are trying to figure out now. Yeah, but I just mean it's, like, super advanced and yeah, probably not available and to a lot Trump of people. probably wouldn't have survived without all those fucking experimental treatments. God, how awesome was that week? 
So fun. We um, just don't get things like that anymore. I know. <laughs> it's literally like last year. I know, but... Or the year before. Year before. I can't... I couldn't even tell you. Fuck, Mary, kill Bill. We are playing it now. Okay, I'm going to read you three bills. Okay. And you need to choose one to fuck, marry, or kill. Okay. It's going to be hard. <laughs> People aren't going to be happy. But remember, whichever ones you pick, that means they're your truth beliefs and you think that off the podcast. It's going to be controversial. It's going to be very controversial. Okay. Coming in first, HR 7613. Oh my God. Already so hot. So hot. So basically, it proposes that we repeal Section 230 of the Communications Act of 1934 and ensure reasonable, non-discriminatory access to online communication platforms. Specifically, it would encourage third-party platforms to demonstrate their moderation uh, process, even though that's already available to everybody. Uh, and it's introduced by Major T- Taylor Green of Georgia. Major Taylor. Major Taylor Green. Marjorie Taylor Green. Miss Green, Representative Green of Arizona, right? She's Georgia. Wait. Georgia. I don't even know where this bitch is. She's Georgia. I was thinking Kristen Cinema, who's Arizona. Okay, so that's one. She just gives us bisexual vibes, but she's not bisexual. I bet she, I bet she goes crazy in bed. Not kidding. Marjorie Taylor Greene. I bet she is a freak. So that's a fuck for you on this one. You know, I really hate to say it, but I do think I'd have sex with her one time. No! I'm sorry. I just want to know. Ellery. I'm sorry. Cancel me. I will. (laughs) Don't book Ellery. (laughs) I'm going to protest every show you're at. Oh my god. That's I wouldn't insane. I wouldn't make her come. How about that? Yeah, okay. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> so this bill you're saying was introduced by Marjorie Taylor Greene. Right after she got banned by Twitter. And it's basically redundant. It's redundant. It's it's basically it asks that platforms share their moderation process with people, even though that's already available on the terms. Can you payments. read the screenshot you sent me? Yes. Um, oh wait, that was so funny. Because the language that Marjorie Taylor Greene uses, I feel like this is like how she greets the day. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? I feel like she day. wakes up. She's like, this is how upset I am in general. And this is the terminology I'm familiar with to use. Okay, so about it, she issued the following statements. For too long, big tech oligarchs in Silicon Valley have silenced patriotic Americans for simply speaking the truth. The unholy union of the Silicon Valley cartel and the communist Democrats must finally be broken. Our country needs more freedom of speech and more information, not less of it. Big tech's tyrannical control over the public square must be stopped, and the right to speak must be restored. The people of Northwest Georgia elected me to be their voice. When I got kicked off Twitter, they kicked me off not because they hate me, but because they hate the people of Northwest Georgia and every American who shares their values. It is time for the American people to be put back in charge of free speech. So she's really Elon up here. I like that she's like big tech oligarchs because she like knows that that's like Russia yeah. terminology, terminology right now. It's <coughs> so upsetting how easy it is for people to do that. To just sort of like spin everything. Yeah. Um, okay, so she's upset that she got banned by Twitter, and she wants to introduce this bill. Okay, and so far, so far it's neutral because it hasn't done anything bad. Hasn't yet. done anything bad. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Um, okay, HR three six one seven, proposed by Jared Nadler, who is a New York Democrat. This is the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act, 
And essentially, it would move to decriminalize and deschedule cannabis to provide for reinvestment in certain persons adversely affected by the war on drugs and to provide expungement of certain cannabis offenses and for other purposes. Okay. I'm already seeing marriage potential here. We love her. We love her. We love her. We love her. Okay. And then the next one? Okay. This one is... Those two are bills in Congress. This is in the Tennessee House. Okay. Um, TNHB... 2633, an act to amend Tennessee Code Annotated Title 49, Chapter 6, relative to student pronouns. What? As introduced, this bill specifies that a teacher or any other employee of a public school is not required to use a student's (gasps) pronouns, is not required to refer to a student using the student's preferred pronouns if the pronoun does not align with the student's biological sex and insults a teacher. Or insulates a teacher. So basically it's saying that, like... You can't force a teacher to use a To use your correct pronouns. Preferred pronouns. So then can the students use whatever pronouns they want for the teachers? Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what they should be doing. They should be. Because it's like... I'm they should be calling... They should be like Mrs. Cunt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Or like, even... It's so... What are they going to do? Send the police in like they do in Illinois? Yes, probably. <laughs> Definitely they probably. Will. probably. Students protect yourselves. Oh my god. Okay, so that's 100% kill. Okay, but then where do we stand up? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Okay, so kill the the one that um, affects, like, allows teachers to not use preferred pronouns for students. And then I would say, like, fuck the Marjorie Taylor Greene one. Okay, but I'm not saying fuck Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, based on my job. I'm saying fuck the Marjorie Taylor Greene bill that does nothing. So you agree with Elon Musk? That is, is not what, what I'm saying. That sounds like what you're saying. <laughs> That's not. That's you're what trying we have to recorded. Spit on, you're trying to spit it on me because you just said you would fuck MTG. And I'm not ashamed of that. I like how I'm not ashamed of that will make you a very successful politician. Oh my god, it so will. Um, but okay, and then we gotta marry the one that expunges and marijuana, marijuana records yeah, it's, and stuff. It's so true. I love that. It's good. It's and that really was good. proposed by which Democrat? Um, Jared. Gerald. Gerald. Gerald Nadler, New York Democrat. Because I'm on Gerald, it you're doing something. Also mirrors a bill that has been passed in New York, where that's what they intend to do. They just passed it recreationally. The landscape is just being set up. Um, and what they're doing is they're only giving like dispensary permits to people who have either been incarcerated for medical for marijuana or have a family member. What if um, there's like someone who has been incarcerated for marijuana? And they have this opportunity, and their family is like, yeah, take it. But they're like, no, that's not my dream anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what, if, what if it's a different type of expectation? Now? Write that pilot. I'm going to write that pilot, because I'm the one who needs to be telling that story. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> the incarcerated for weed story needs to come from a Utah Indian girl. <laughs> I do remember, you know, growing up in New York, um, as I got a little bit older, people were talking about, like, marijuana legislation coming. And I remember I remember somebody's dad trying to be on the like, – he was a really, really, really rich guy. And, like, he was like, I'm going to be on the forefront of, like, whenever, like, the dispensary oh my God, licenses come so out. Fucked. And he knew, like, 10 years in advance what a boom it would be. So he basically, like, put all of his – focus into being one of the first dispensaries in New York and now I, I really hope he doesn't get a license yeah because, because he, he literally was like he was a millionaire and he was just like setting it up so that he could be like get more money exactly be the kingpin of like whatever legal marijuana oh that's so fucked up 
Okay, so that's, I feel like we agree on the fuck, Mary kill bill. That was a really fun one. And that was I'm, good. I'm excited for, to come back weekly with that. Okay, and then our next segment, we both did not prepare we for. We didn't prepare. We're bad with homework. Um, we are. Well, you're much better at it. Okay, Squid Tank is the, the title of our next segment, where we pitch, like, inventions, ideas to each other. Yeah, fake things that w- would help our lives or the world. I think there should be a shoot in your home where you throw clothes you don't want anymore and it goes directly to donation or to other girls who like your outfits. Oh, I really like that. See, the, my thing is, is like, I have a bunch of clothes that I don't wear, but I know that somebody else would like and I don't want to list them on third party apps. And yeah. I'm like, I wish I could just beam these out to the world and then anybody yeah. who wants them could come pick them up. Yeah. That's a really good one. I have another one. Yeah, no, please <laughs> go for it. They're, they're all collecting our data. Yeah. Just give us a job that fits. Why do I have to fill out an application? That is so good. Just fucking, you have everything that I'm capable. You know how long my, like, what my screen time is? You know what I mean? You know, like, how I use social media and if that's going to, like, alert any background checks. So obviously don't give me a job that would have issues with that. Just fucking use my data. <laughs> For good, for, for, to help so me. So that I don't have to write a fucking cover letter. Literally. I mean, like, they're making so much money off it anyway. Why not throw it? That's a really If good you're going to sell our data, sell give it. Give me something. Give me a job. Yeah. <laughs> I applied to be the social media manager at the IRS once, and then I learned. Insane. And then I learned that for all employees, they do a full audit. Yeah. And oh I had to withdraw god. my application. Oh, my God. You're like, get out, get out, get yeah, out, get out. Literally, literally, literally. I was like, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. Don't look. You like went you you almost fucked yourself. <laughs> you so went hard. Directly. I almost got myself audited. That's so funny. If you want to audit, if you want a friend of yours to get audited, have them apply, apply for a job. Apply for a job at the, at IRS. the IRS, but don't tell them. <laughs> That's so evil. That's so evil. I think we're not going far enough on resealable packaging. Oh yeah, things are so hard to reseal, and if we add like a reseal element. We can, because I really like to reuse plastic bags. Yeah. But if you can't reseal them, you can't reuse them. Yeah. So I'm like, any food that you're not going to eat right away, it needs to have a reseal. 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 (laughs) It has to have a reseal component. And then also, I think because this is like American consumer culture, things are sold in like too big. Oh, of, of containers. Things. But yeah. I also don't want to, but I also understand that, like, that wastes a lot of plastic to sell it in, like, little things. So I feel like this reseal issue would be perfect would for that. For yeah. And something I've been thinking a lot about lately um, is, like, accessibility as it pertains to package opening. Oh, my God. I think about this in terms of, like, consumerism in general. Because sometimes you have, like, if you get something and then you have to return it. They, like, you have to, like, get the box yeah. and, like, do all the things and, like, get it, like, mailed and out. And also, 90% of your returns go to the Global South. Oh, what? Yeah, 90% of your online returns end up in the Global South. How? What do they do? Um, they, and also a lot of your donated clothes. They ship them as huge, uh, like, fiber packets. So they don't even care? They don't even care for the most part. Yeah, because it, it would cost more money to bring it all the way back, so they just sell it to somebody else. So just let me keep it and donate it to somebody in my community. Not instead if you want a refund. Of, instead of selling it, if they, if they were donating it, I'd yeah. be like, that's great. I mean, they also lose. I mean, I guess they're technically donating it to the Global South, probably. Oh. But, like, 
I think a lot, you know, what we don't really talk about as far as it relates to like thrift stores is a lot of that product goes unbought and then it's shipped out to the global. So it's like when companies decide that it's cheaper for them to instead of taking the product back, reroute it somewhere else, it may or may not, you know, be a piece of clothing for the global south, but more likely it's just a piece of trash. Does that make sense? Oh. Where it's like. This is like the shoot problem. <laughs> where the shoe yeah, yeah, yeah. is this like is exactly. directed it would, it would direct it see that's the real thing is like it's and it's true as far as like food resources as well it's we have enough to go around but the distribution chains it's are really bad, bad and it affects everything i blame that single ship that was stuck in the Swiss Swiss canal. canal wait did you see the, there the was second one yeah! from the same from the same company <gasps> I think it was like because ever given and ever it was some I think it was from the same company got stuck. So we have all these different segments, but we thought our first episode should end with something that we care about. And the reason Ellery and I started this podcast and our soon-to-be-associated show is... I'm so excited about I'm it. so excited. We have such a good fucking lineup. Is because uh, we both care a lot about our local communities and we care a lot about mutual aid. I brought Ellery on a different podcast I was doing. I had you, I had Dan Donahue, I had Jamie Loftus um, on, and I had all of you kind of explain like how you got started in mutual aid. And I think a lot of people think that it's like a lot more difficult than it is but it's literally just like talking to your neighbors talking to members of your community that are in need and then there are mutual aid organizations that you can go to first of all dan donahue got me into like service work because he brought me to the mobile showers program at saint james Mm -hmm. which is how i like got in there um so shout out dan he's doing it for the best of us and people reach out to me a lot to see how to start and my best... I send so many people to you. Oh, well, good, because I like talking about it. <laughs> yeah. But my best advice is, like, whatever your interest is, whether it's, like, animals or, like, climate or... Tutoring. Tutoring, whatever it is. Kids. She yeah. loves kids. Real Dalia over here. Okay, wow. <laughs> wow. She, I meant she's married. I do use she's children as a, a shield. So yeah, whatever your like passion is, um, there are people already in your city, I guarantee it, doing work in that area, and you should connect with them. Ellery runs a soup kitchen, I run um, a tutoring program uh, for black students, and I and like you started a soup kitchen because you got connected through St. James, and you like, ta- you like went out and talked to somebody, and you're like, how do I do this? Basically. And then I sent out a tweet <laughs> that was like, I will tutor students for free, and then everybody started wanting to do that, so I kind of like... You built a structure, which is really interesting. I built something and, and by accident. Which is incredible and not what I would recommend because it's so much work. It is a lot of work and it's also like I'm not the best at keeping up with it. And so I feel like it could be run better and like more efficiently. But I'm like just doing what I can. And yeah. I think honestly like people look at like I used to volunteer all the time before stand up. Like I was always like in some sort of great way like, to meet people. It's a great way to meet people. It's also just like really uh, I look at it as a very selfish thing. It grounds me. It's like really fun, <laughs> which like people don't count it as. But it is. Um, and it's all, it just like takes you out of your head. So it helps me deal with a lot of anxiety Definitely. and like and mental health issues. You, it lets you like live the rest of your life, like whatever. And so like I volunteer once or twice a week for the rest of the week. I get to feel less guilty about like doing comedy because I'm doing other things. Yeah. 
Um, which people, I think, like guilt paralyzed. Guilt and shame paralyzes them. Definitely, and then they definitely. like veer away from it. Or somebody who feels like they can't commit to a lot so they don't do anything. Yeah. So like I, I used to volunteer in hospitals and they would have like orientations and you'd have to do at least four hours a week. Um, or like I volunteered when I was in the Bay, I volunteered at like a dog rescue. And like there are all these like... Was that hard? It wasn't like it wasn't hard like for like me emotionally. Oh, for oh the hospital was uh, really hard because I volunteered. Uh, I volunteered when I was in Utah. I volunteered at a veterans hospital and another and like an OR. I don't and I have do that. That's tough. Seen a lot of intense surgeries. Yeah. I watched a man die in front of me. Oh my god! At sixteen years old, oh and god. then whoa 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 we're not over that yet. That's crazy. Yeah. I can't believe they let. I mean, I wasn't. I I was. I was in the OR and I was I would wipe down beds and I didn't usually didn't need to go to this other floor but we had brought a bed in from there and I had to return it and I wasn't meant to be in that hallway at that time that the person coded. That is so heavy, dude. And it was really intense. Um, but that is not a typical volunteer I'm situation. Sorry, I'm scared the shit out of. <laughs> I didn't mean to scare the shit out, but like that was and then in the children's hospital, it was also really intense because. I was on a floor where it wasn't, like, as intense, but I was, the, like, there were a lot of volunteers who were, like, high schoolers who needed hours and then, like, older, like, people, um, but I was in, in the middle. I was in my 20s, and I loved children, and I loved, like, we like a lot of it was, like, sanitizing things because it was, like, a respiratory mm-hmm. infection uh, 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 floor, mm-hmm. and so it was, like, playing with kids and cleaning the toys and, like, making sure everybody had everything they needed, but... A lot. There are babies who, uh, in order to develop, babies, infants need to be touched and cuddled, and a lot of the teens had a hard time holding them because they felt too intimidated because a lot of them had like a lot of wires or had just gotten out of surgery, and so like I cuddled some That's of the babies so... in addition to like playing and sanitizing, mm-hmm. and there was like one kid who was in there whose parents were from a different country, and his like uncle would come in. And he had to have like a lot of heart surgeries and so he kept getting set back and I but it was like so like it was both painful and also like very like genuinely inspiring because babies recover so quickly and like they just they're just like meant to survive you know what I mean like they're so resilient and and but it made me realize like how important like touch is and how important like human connection is that's great of you to do it was, yeah, it was, there was, like, I think the youngest I held was, like, an 11-day-old <gasps> who had just wires all over. Oh, my God. Um, but it was, yeah, you had to put your time in holding the babies. But that, and so that was, like, it was all, like, it was something that I used to do a lot growing up, and I didn't realize how baked into my life um, service was mm-hmm. and how important it was to me. And then I started doing stand-up, and I was, like, in a PhD program, which I quit, and so I was, like, this is, like, me time I'm gonna what and then I just became fucking miserable because <laughs> I wasn't doing anything uh, it's not to connect connected to, my to the real world yeah, yeah. no it's stand up is gorgeous lovely community love it but it's very it's insular very insular and you're not connected to the real world which is why so but even, many huge comedians but, get not funny but I would argue that any occupation that has a lot of like privileged people in yeah, it is like that is disconnected I have a of lot course. of friends I just can't speak to that I've only ever done comedy and academia and science who are like let me throw money at the thing but don't but they feel like their careers are more valuable like their time is more valuable because they need to solve this like scientific issue and it's like okay cool but if you're in a lab and you're completely removed from like classism racism awareness 
and then you continue with your work there, then you are perpetuating yeah, those it's things. it's informed by inherently that. Inherently. Absolutely. In that, in that area. And so, like, I've seen my friends who I love dearly, like, just be insulated from it. And I think it's important for them to, like, break out of that bubble as well. And as also as far as, it, like, the selfishness of volunteering goes, like, you I do think liquid cash, I'm like, literally, if you don't have a, if you can't donate your time, liquid cash is yeah. always good, but you don't get the same sort of, like, connected human, like, working in the soup kitchen for me is so important because not only do I get to see all my friends, but I get to, like, monitor the health of my community. Yeah. So I get to, like, be an active, an active participant in the neighborhood, and I also get to make sure that nothing, like, intense or scary is going on, and if it is, I, I'm finally in a position where I can now, like figure out how to react exactly or like you know find resources for it or services for whatever that thing is yeah. and that's like such a place of empowerment that I didn't have two years ago yeah and just like being aware of it yeah just being aware and I of think it. one of the reasons that people don't want to do that is because they don't want to be aware of it it's but so you painful. got to well it's also tied to like the sweeps and like to 4118 which is an ordinance around here it's a no sleeping or laying ordinance um, which means that people can't camp in certain areas but come on, white people, you love camping. You love camping. Not that kind of camping. Come on. Just <laughs> let people camp. It, you it's love funny how that camp. is so REI true. is your shit. Just get you should You're always trying to get me to camp. <laughs> and but hike. that's because they want to put you in the woods. That's true. They do want to leave me in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true for homeless people too. Like people are like, they don't want the problem fixed. They just want to not see it. Yeah. In general. In general. I think this is a like this is part of the it's part of what makes it hard for me to be on like social media and stuff is to see just like rich shit just mm. like rich people shit mm -hmm. and I know they're not seeing anything outside of that oh, and it hot. fucking hurts it hurts to see but that because like, like at the soup kitchen they're running out of water do you know how fucked like this I can't let this go <laughs> I can't let this go that soup kitchens are running out of water and socks water socks some of the most basic diapers. human things <laughs> And then you're selling NFTs? Like, what is, like, that is... Where is the disconnect? I have such a hard time, like, engaging with it intellectually for that reason. Because I'm like, this is a picture that doesn't exist, and I know kids that can't eat. Yeah. Anyways, that's Very why you strange. should get involved with mutual <laughs> No, but that is... And it's, it is dire, but you can start anytime, and it's Every not that counts. big of a deal. Every minute counts. Every dollar counts. Um, and you get to do it with your friends, and that's cool. Yeah. And the important part of it is uh, empowering the people in the community that you are trying to help. Yes, and definitely. allowing them to have the voice to say what they need. Exactly, which is why I'm not I trying think to it's project. So important to reach out to orgs that are already doing the work you're interested in. Yeah, because I'm like, you're going rogue. You don't actually know what people need. Like a big problem we have in Los Angeles is people dropping food off at the edges of encampments, like groceries, and it, them spoiling. Mm. And then it's like, okay, the police use trash as a reason to sweep encampments, so you're, you're making uh, that encampment you're just more vulnerable. And then also, like, trash at people. you're throwing trash at people. And it, it might be, like, groceries you think that they could need, but, like, I've literally found, like, you know, raw meat or milk, and it's like, Okay. You could have given that to the soup kitchen, you which could have made exactly. the kitchen or you and have fridges. Or you bring it to the community fridge. Freezes. Exactly, freezes. but like you need to think about like, okay, do people have pop, like do people have can openers? Like what do people have that they will need to consume this food? And in order to figure it out, you have you to talk to, to people. You need to ask them. Ask them. You unfortunately you have, have to talk to, to, talk you have to, to people. talk to your neighbors. You have to talk to your neighbors, sorry. Okay, so that's like getting started mutual aid is like 
find something close to you that fits your lifestyle, which there are so many of them. So many things. And then it's just, just get a started. Google search away. It's, it's Speaking much of, more flexible in ours. Yeah. Who's our mutual aid babe of the week? I don't know. Who do you think it should be? I think it I should be, be Solidarity and Snacks. Ooh. Do you know them? I, I've heard of them, but I haven't. Andrew T, our good friend Andrew T, does a lot of work with them, and they're really cool. They're a little bit more, so the Soup Kitchen I run is a little bit more of a rogue operation. We just work, not rogue, but we work through the church. Um, not my church. And <laughs> I always have to say that. St. James Church, which runs separately from the, from soup, the kitchen, soup Kitchen, which is but I love run them by for a bunch me. of fucking heathens. Honestly true, but it's true. Yeah. It's all, like... So many comedians. of us are very slutty, atheist, agnostic. But comedians. that's what makes it so rock and roll. Yeah. But anyway, so Solidarity and Snacks, um, they do a lot of different things. They do hygiene product drops. They do water drops. They go to different encampments. They go to Skid Row. Um, they do power-up tables. They do a lot of weekend events. So not only is it a really good place to like spend your time, it's a great place to donate because every dollar you spend there will go back on the street. Yay! So, shout out Solidarity. Shout out! Snacks. You guys are doing a great job. We're gonna put their like handles and things. Yeah, somewhere. we'll look it up. They're definitely on Instagram, um, and they have a Venmo, and I've witnessed them do a lot of really good work. So and that's in LA. But that's if there in are LA. other uh, mutual aid uh, organizations in your cities, send uh, them to us. We would to love us. to. We would love to know that. I'm Give pretty them a shout out. Yes, I follow a you know Casey Tenants Union, Kansas City Tenants oh, Union. Oh no, I don't. So I follow them. They're a tenants union protection and rights group, and they did a lot of really cool stuff around eviction defense in Kansas City this year. Um, and Kansas City just made it illegal, or they just produced a bill to move to make it illegal um, to cohabitate with four or more adults. Okay, goodbye, everyone in LA. <laughs> I was just—I was literally thinking. I was literally thinking that's how I lived, like through college, even that's, until like that's how like so many people afford to. live. What is to live why? Why are they because? Doing that? I think it's so in uh, in Boston. There's a, there's a brothel rule that you can't have more than six yeah. women living in a house together. But I think it's generally to discourage um, trafficking or something tenement situation. Well, oh. I mean, like the thing is, is like first of all, multi generational families exist, and often like very anti immigrant. It's Kansas not it's not City. just anti immigrant. It's like it's anti it's like classist. Yeah. I just meant like immigrants. A lot of us like live with our parents yeah, and stuff as like absolutely. just a cultural thing. But yeah, it's like classist. a multi-generational family is like yeah. very popular in other cultures. Yeah. Which, by the way, I have this whole thing about it where I'm like, why did white people convince us that that's like a weird thing to do when then you go and you live with Craigslist people? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, you're getting out of like your family where you like have like probably, you know, meals and everything. And then you're like going to live with insane people. But then I'm also like, I think that's, this is a hot take. It's a hot take. I think that's what makes white people bad parents sometimes is like the lack of family support. And oh, hundred like, percent. And like communal network. Yeah. Yeah. We cracked it. We did it. We figured it out. I think we solved it. Um, Beat your kids. Be- <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Elon just Musk kidding. is cool. <laughs> Those are the. She would fuck Marjorie oh Taylor Greene. Well, sign off. <laughs> that's been City Council with Paula Vigan all in. What is and Ellery and Ellery Smith? <laughs> what is like? What are city council meetings? Maybe we could be like that's the end of the meeting. This week's meeting, city council meeting. Adjourn. Adjourn. Meeting adjourned. Okay, we nailed it. We found it. That's Dude, our time. Should we say one, one, two, three? Meeting adjourned. Sure. One, two, three. Meeting, meeting adjourned. adjourned. This episode of the City Council podcast was written, created, and produced by Paula Viganalan and Ellery Smith. 
Our music was written and produced by Ruby Ibarra. Be sure to follow us at City Council spelled S-E-L show on Instagram and Twitter for more weekly podcasts and monthly live stand-up comedy shows. Thanks for listening.